Let's talk about the future of news. I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The state of journalism today. Telling both sides of a, of a controversial story. I think you must be unbiased. It's uh, honesty, fairness, uh, truth. That is our job. That is our job. That is our job. Okay, welcome once again to the Arab Man in Stockholm podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor. And again, that's the least interesting thing that you're about to hear. Because this week, if you've been paying attention on social media at all, you will have seen the hashtag Swedengate, where the country's carefully cultured image got itself a bit of a kick in fairness on social media. And here to talk to me about it is one of the pers- one of the people who was in the eye of the storm there. It's Lovette Jallo. Lovette, how are you? I'm very good, Philip. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm delighted that you you took the opportunity to come on because uh, it's been a fascinating week. Can you just describe maybe to people if there's anybody left in the world who hasn't heard about it yet, what Swedengate actually is and where it started from? Okay, well, I think it's quite funny because the actual hashtag Swedengate was started by myself. Um, So after the Reddit post where people were inquiring about strange customs that you have seen or been a part of, a Reddit poster spoke about a time he was invited to his Swedish friend's house. And instead of feeding him during dinner time, they basically locked him, well, put him in a room and told him to wait until dinner was, they'd finished eating. And then he also spoke of when he slept over and his friend woke up, went downstairs to have breakfast. And when he came down, they said, oh, he'll, he'll, um, he'll be done soon. So you can go back up. And the Twitter sphere started buzzing where people were wondering, what kind of strangeness is this? Um, I I innocently tweeted that I was laughing at everyone's reactions to the food situation because even I myself went through it with my friends. And whilst I found it odd and inconsiderate at 11 years old when I came to Sweden, I just thought it was quintessentially Swedish and never thought about it again. But I left, I tweeted it, I left Twitter to do some work, and by the time I came back, my mentions were in shambles. Over 1,000 people had retweeted, I think right now is at 12 million. Um, And I... I, I woke up the next day, I had Swedes in my DMs, in my mentions, in my Instagram, even emailing me, calling me a monkey, the N-word, and, and that I should leave Sweden and go back to Africa because I don't like Swedish customs. Mind you, I didn't judge the custom. I just said it was a weird thing, but it's very Swedish. The next day, I decided to start a space where I wanted to talk about the reactions to me specifically, because when white Swedes tweeted, nobody told them to go back to Africa. Um, And I just said, all my life I had to fight, which is the name of the room. And it was a reference to the color purple. Um, I started this space humorously, but if you know about Twitter spaces, you need to have a hashtag to collect, collate all of the people tweeting about what's happening in the space. And I was like, what am I going to call this? And it hit me, Swedengate, because any big scandal always has a gate behind it. So I was like, Swedengate. And we started talking about this, the way that Swedes react to sweet, other Swedes who don't look white. And the space kind of dissolved into a five hour conversation about not only the food situation, but people that came on stage, black, white, and brown were sharing about how 
racism in Sweden operates because it's more than just the food. There are many things we normalize after a while because we're so tired of speaking mm. about it. Yeah. If you do just a little bit about your own experience, if you don't mind, Lovett, you mentioned there that you came to Sweden at the age of 11. So I'm guessing you went through um, various stages of school. You speak Swedish, you, you, you know, you hung around with people and that kind of thing. What, what the first time that this happened to you, you know, being a child from an African background, did this strike you as odd? It did, because in Gambia, where I was actually born, um, it's very rude to not offer food to guests. In fact, when we cook, we don't just cook for our family. We cook for potential guests that might come. Mm. So that has led to me now, if I cook at home by myself, I'm cooking for five people because yeah. I don't know how to measure. So it did strike me as strange, but Obviously, within a month of coming to Sweden, I was called the N-word. So there are many things that happened to me in my childhood that I found very distressing and very odd and some things we just normalize. I mean, to give you a background, I'm an author in Sweden. I am well decorated with over seven awards for my working activism, as well as with racism and education. I'm also a lecturer. So I've taken all those experiences to try to teach people that there are ways of doing things more humane. Hmm. Did mm. you grow up in a, in a big city or in a small town here? I grew up in Stockholm. So I grew up in a big town, but every town has a suburb. So I was mm. in one of the burbs, as we call it, called Haninge and Nilesham, which is Haninge, just like yeah. the water. You're out, you're out the south side of town. I've been a north sider in all my 23 years in Sweden. Um, oh, wow. now, the difference, of course, between you and me is the 23 years in, in Sweden, I spent all of those being white. You haven't. <laughs> Um, no. uh, how did that manifest itself? You mentioned people using the N-word to you within a month of, of arriving there. I mean, there's, there's only two things can happen there. Either Sweden can change or you can. Did you find yourself having to change to accommodate the way that people, Swedish people saw you? To be honest, looking at how Swedish um, alt-right media paints me out, I mean, this, I'm not new to this, I'm true to this. I've written books on the matter. So clearly I want people to change some of the ways that I mean, Sweden's got good and bad, but the bad is really bad, to be mm. quite fair. Um, many of us, I mean, we have research on this. The healthcare system is racist and exclusionary. We have um, reports by land students, and which I'll send you later, telling you about how black Swedes are actually discriminated in the workplace, even when we have PhDs, we'll be paid less, or we won't get the jobs that we are qualified for. Uh, what does that tell you? What does, Sweden has many issues and those are the issues I tend to work with whilst the good things I just feel like I deserve to enjoy them in silence mm. yeah um, when you raise criticism like this right I, I'll you know back during the pandemic um I was at the press conferences for Technial and that kind of thing I remember sitting there going this doesn't sit quite right with me and you know a lot of people they circle the wagons and it's not okay this is the way we're going everybody has to get behind it I remember people that I knew quite well Lovett sort of you know turning on me getting really aggressive about it and going oh you know you're you're being a fear monger you're spreading fear and that kind of thing so they were quite aggressive in the way they met any criticism that I had now that's something that was a very isolated incident for me but have you found how have you been treated when you've criticized Swedish society specifically I mean, it's gone very bad to the point where SD, some of their um, politicians have tweeted at me and said that, you know, you don't like it here you, with even with the racism issue, you can just get the next boat out. I mean, why would I take a boat? I can't swim. So I would fly out if I had to. But more than that, it's we have a problem. There's research backing it up. We have data, but nobody wants to 
figure uh, a solution for it because the people that hold solutions, which is like myself, other brown people, we are not in these rooms to tell people. Look at how immigration, the, the fear mongering that happens around that. Nobody ever asks, why is it Andesh and Eric and Annika talking about failed immigration and not the immigrants who've actually gone through and integrated quite well, who can give us feedback on their experiences and what we can improve or not. They have no interest in that. None whatsoever. And it's gotten bad to the point where I think I criticized our, our history with race biology, where mixed race kids were actually sterilized by the Swedish government um, and backed for uh, race purity. I've spoken about the Sapmi people who are the indigenous Swedes and how they have gone through sterilization and marginalization. When I spoke about Carl von Linnea, the alt-right tried to set my house on fire after sending me threat letters. That's how bad it goes. My TED talk is basically about normalizing silence amongst migrant communities in Sweden. Like I said, I've been doing this for 15 years. So it gets pretty bad and scary. Why do you think, and I mean, the, the answer may be very, very obvious, but I'm gonna ask the question anyway. Why do you think they don't want any criticism, but particularly people who look like you criticizing them, what's so sacred that they can't let go of? I think it's the image of perfection. I posted about it on my Instagram today saying that even though I am Swedish, when I speak about Sweden, people assume I am from England or America and I'm just sitting on a soap, a soapbox and I'm preaching. They don't actually understand that I am also very much Swedish. Swedish, Swedish is my fifth language. Um, I'm, I feel more Swedish every time I'm in England. I'm like, why are people doing this? And that's when I realized how Swedish I am. I think Sweden as a country is hailed globally as this progressive socialist utopia. So if you are ever going to speak about anything that paints us in less than positive light, you are the enemy of everyone here because they like to maintain an image. And that's something I've had to learn the hard way. It's that kind of George W. Bush thing after 9-11. You're either with us or against us. There's no room for nuance. There's no room for yes, but, or we could be better at these things. And people don't really want to hear that, do they? No, and I think that's the positive thing about Sweden gig because I posted so many proof and once white Swedes started also backing me and sharing their experiences, suddenly the threats towards my personhood abated. Mm. They were like, oh, well, we can't attack these white people if they're, you know, supporting what she's saying, so let's just stop it. But I think one positive thing is that many people like myself who just regarded this as the way Swedes are, finally saw themselves from an outside perspective, from British perspectives, from even the Germans got in the tussle out here, judging Sweden. <laughs> um, and they have a lot to atone for. Um, seeing ourselves <laughs> from an outside perspective, even our largest national newspaper, DN, wrote that people should feed their friends, their kids' friends, but you can also ask for a swish after. So I think that is also very Swedish. Even when you know something should be changed, you will only pay lip service and find another way to continue doing the bad thing under covers. But there has been a shift and many people have written to me and posted publicly that they will most probably be inviting their kids' friends to dinner if the kid is already in their house playing. Then there's a minority that say they'll never change because they're sweets and they're infallible and that's just the way it is and I should go back to Africa. That's it. 
just for listeners who wouldn't understand, Swish is the sort of the local thing. I think it's called Revolut in the UK where they, or in Ireland as well, where people will send each other money using their cell phone, right? So the, the idea that Doggins and he had the, like the paper of record, if you like, in Sweden came up with this idea that uh, Levette and people on Swedengate are right, we should feed kids, but you should basically ask them for, you know, whatever, the five euros or the, the four pounds or whatever the dinner cost afterwards. I mean, is that just... Is that not just be digging a bigger hole rather than zooming out and looking at the issue and saying, okay, you know, in, in a developed society, can we not get a kid to sit at the table? Exactly. And for some kids, they have shared now or they're adults now that they were even allowed to sit at the table and watch them eat. And somewhere Harry oh, Potter. Man. Yeah, one of them was, I told her she was Harry Potter because she said there was a hole in the stairs and that's where she would sit and look <laughs> through. I said, damn, my sis, you were Harry Potter you were in the cupboard under the stairs at that point. And that gained its own virality and people were laughing at it as well. But I thought it was quite apt. And, yeah. um, you know, I suppose if we're going to sort of accuse people or hold people up and saying that they lack nuance, I think we'll have to have a little bit of nuance ourselves. Obviously, you've been here since you were 11 years of age. You've grown up here. There must be some redeeming features. There must be something that keeps you here, Lovett. You know, you do obviously have Swedish friends. What are the things that appeal to you about Sweden? The things that appeal to me about Sweden, I would say, are very many. Just like every country, Sweden has good parts, very good parts, and less good parts. I like, for example, Midsummer Celebration, not the horror film, but the way we <laughs> celebrate it by, by dressing up, having drinks, a little bit of champagne, some food that you is already paid for, um, and running around an upside-down penis. I mean, that is quite hilarious to me, and I really <laughs> enjoy that celebration. Um, there are other things like education you're able to educate yourself and be paid for it or mm. not not be crippled with debt when you come out so those things are very positive um i do believe and also the amount of friends i've made here and just the safety i also feel being here sometimes is very good do you ever get that feeling? I'm sure, you, you know, among your friends, you know, when people sort of talk about these things that, you know, th th there's a certain acceptance that maybe you're different. You're not like the other immigrants here. You're one of the good immigrants. And that like even in the beginning when I was learning Swedish and, you know, I, like people go, oh, you know, you're really good at speaking Swedish. It's only a fucking language, man. It's not rocket science we're trying to learn Thank here, you. you know, but they're sort of patting you on the head, you know, and I was, you know, at the time I was not going, you know, thank you, thank you, tugging your forelock and being grateful for the crumbs from the table kind of thing. And again, I say is as a middle-aged white man the most privileged person in society so do you feel that you know um i mean i'm trying to be charitable of it and i'm trying to be generous but i still think that there's an awful long way for people to go to be genuinely interested in integrating not just you but me and everybody else who comes to this country and being willing to listen to what we have to say have you ever found anybody who's actually willing to listen to the criticisms that you have and to be willing to change as well i i have and i'll i'll just say one thing thank you for admitting the privilege that you may have in contrast to me but i also feel like nobody would call me like one of the good ones because because I am one of the loudest voices and the most successful black voices when it comes to calling out racism and calling a spade a spade. I don't do it because of feelings. I do it because of facts. I, I'm a DEI expert. I lecture for companies like Spotify, KPMG. I work with improving their 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 workforce to be to represent the demographics of sweden because believe it or not there's over 25 percent of us who are not visibly white so no one would ever call say levette is one of the good ones they'll probably say she's a problematic one because you cannot argue with me about facts 
because I will beat you on that. I'm autistic. I come with all my facts lined up. Um, but I do feel like we have a long way to come. One person who gets an honorable mention is Zara Larson, who mm -hmm. I argued with when she did white saviorism. And she's one of the people that backed me in Sweden Gate mm -hmm. and said, you know what? You shouldn't attack this person because what they're saying is absolutely accurate. She, I gave her criticism. She didn't understand it. We had a conversation and she still follows me. She still shares my posts and she understands. It's like Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. There's a huge amount of Swedes that when they know better, they'll do better. Sometimes I wonder, do they want to do better because they still want to maintain the image of perfection in Sweden or do they genuinely believe in the change they're affecting? Either way, as long as they minimize the harm they cause, cause other communities, I'm happy. Um, do you think that shame has any part in this, Lovette? And I mean this, you know, I grew up in what was essentially a 99% white country in the 1970s and the 1980s. I usually say that the only two black people I saw on the island of Ireland were the bass player Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy and the footballer Paul McGrath, both of whom ended up being idols of mine. But I carry with me a certain sense of shame for things that I did and things that I said and things that I thought because, as my Angelou says, you know, to paraphrase her, I didn't know better. Do you think that some of the, so the more adverse reaction that you you get towards Sweden Gate is rooted in that sense of shame, or do you think that it's an aggressive defense of the status quo? I mean, I think it's a sense of shame. I think Swedes, we have something called Dolig Stemning, you know yeah. about it. Bad, bad atmosphere, yeah, bad yeah. vibes. <laughs> Nobody, if, if, if there's one thing Swedes hate, but are very good at causing, is bad vibes. It's bad <laughs> vibes. It's meeting someone and someone born here, someone raised here, someone who's three generations in, asking them where they come from. And when they say Stockholm, they say, no, really, where are you from? Yeah. So I think shame is a huge matter in this because Swedes want to be seen a particular way. And mm. anything that threatens that, they will lash out violently towards the people that are whistleblowers, mm. even innocently. So maybe let's hope shame will cause more change for them as well. The whole idea, and you mentioned this at the very start of the conversation, sort of brand Sweden, this, you know, Olaf Palme is Folkhemet, the people's home, this, you know, bastion of social democracy. It hasn't really been that since the 1990s, which is probably, you know, you probably moved here after, well, you know, when that whole privatization thing started happening. You know, how much is Sweden changing? And there's an election coming up in September. Where do you see this country in one year, in five years, in 10 years? Uh, my mom's sitting next to me listening in. My mom's lived here over 30 years. So she still loves social Democrats because of Olaf Palme. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, she came to Sweden in the 90s, um, pretty much. And she says it was very bad then, but what she's seeing now is a regression back to even worse. The more you bring to light certain things, the more people dig their heels in. Um, and when it comes to change, they'll change on the surface level, like I said earlier, lip service, but not really genuinely underneath the surface, they're not going to change. Um, because they, they also buy into the Swedish PR system, which is, we are better than most, we're better than America, we're better than this because we have this. Um, where I see us going is the absolute opposite, which is you know exactly which political parties, the, the, the most racist ones are gaining traction. So I see us tussling for the next five, six years before it will take a turn again. Yes. Mm. 
it's one of those things I spotted recently that there is a, it, you know, I mean, we touch wood, but there does seem to be a change where people are getting sick of an awful lot of things, not just in Sweden, but all over. And hello, Mum, by the way, we're delighted to have you on, even as a, a silent partner here in all this. Um, just, just a couple of last questions. And Lovette, thank you so much for your time, because it's fascinating to hear. But for somebody like me, with the privilege that I had, and the people who might be listening to this podcast who live in Sweden, how can I be a better ally to you how can i be a better friend to you how can i be a better sort of member of society in terms of you know what do you need from me do you need a platform you know what can i do for you well i mean you are the second ever podcast i've agreed to partake in because podcasts give me anxiety um but i felt like the way you approach me i felt like i could trust you to be able to not pick and choose how you want to present this, um, considering all of the trauma I've been through the last couple of days. Um, I think as an ally, one of the, you have to understand we don't need allies anymore. We need accomplices. We need you to put your money where your mouth is. We need you to put, use your platform in a very responsible manner. We don't need more Rogans out here. We need people who do the deep dive. Not many people have been asking who started Sweden Gate, for example. So I've been erased in a narrative I started which is very painful but we see it happening on tiktok all over the place black women will start a movement and it will be co-opted and they'll be forgotten so you will be one of the few places where they actually give credit where credit is due but secondarily understand that just because some things you don't see or go through does not make it any less real you are you identify as a man me as a woman, there are things I go through that you will never go through. Does that mean mine are less real just because you haven't gone through it? We live in a world in it where in Sweden, the demographics have changed increasingly. 25% of us are not lying. There are things we go through that are very painful that our parents go through. Just support us, question us because we are not in echo chambers by any chance. Just like you did in this conversation, question me, ask me, to learn more about what's going on and then represent it in an accurate manner. Use your, your, your privilege and let me hide behind you because I'm a fragile black woman. I'm not a strong black woman and I deserve protection as you would protect your loved ones as well. So just think about that. And if you're listening, if you see someone called a black Swede, uh, the N-word or a Irish uh, black person, you can retweet and say, don't do that. We do not accept that. As a white Irish person, I do not accept that. Sweets can do the same because guess what? With these racist trolls, when they are met by another white person with privilege, guess what they do? Deactivate or hush up. And I think during Sweden Gate, <laughs> Sweets fought more for Sweden Gate than they did during World War II. That's all I can say. <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing because it's ironic, not because it's funny, Lovette, but uh, it, it also sounds entirely true. Um, thank you so much for trusting me. I hope that I have used that trust in the right way, and I hope that you found this conversation as, as giving as I have. And uh, I very much hope that you might come back on the podcast. I know this is only your second one, but I hope you enjoy this one. And maybe you might come back in the future and we can have a further discussion about that. But for now, uh, Lovette Jallo, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much, Philip. And reach out anytime. I really like your demeanor and just that I'm not anxious talking to you. That means a lot to me. So we'll, we shall see and hear from each other in the future. We will indeed. Thank you. Yeah.